This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. Well, one thing I am pretty confident about is that there's a lot of attention being paid right now to an election that's not going to take place for 10 months. We're in general election season, even though neither party has officially nominated the candidate. But we all know, everybody knows, it's going to be a rematch. And for some people, that's the biggest nightmare ever. And for others of us, it's funny and fun. And that's the difference. But lately, I've been noticing how just morbid and sad and angry the left is all the time. I don't know what brings them joy other than maybe to see a Republican uh, get hit by a car. Maybe that they could crack a smile then. It's just so bizarre to me. I couldn't be that miserable all the time. I'd have to do some self-reflecting and say maybe it has to do with my stupid opinions. But anyway, I, I just, I feel for them. I really do. I don't think, you know, I don't think it's normal. I don't think it's healthy for people to always be in a fury and always to feel as though they have to do something right now to make everything right and the whole world is relying on their vote or their comment or their newspaper headline. Scary. Meanwhile, you got... Tesla stock completely melting down. I remember when I was so sad that I hadn't bought Tesla stock. And then, of course, it started going to the outer limits, and I, I was no longer really, <laughs> I wasn't eligible, shall we say, or I, I didn't have that kind of money, so I wasn't going to be buying any Tesla stock. But right now, $100 billion just like melted in Tesla. That's pretty crazy. It's hard to think in those terms, right? They're set to erase $50 billion in valuation after this warning that uh, the CEO, Elon Musk, gave out. He said uh, sales growth is going to slow this year, even though they've cut the prices on Teslas, on the cars which has already hurt the margins and already has all the investors, you know, clamoring for relief. Give us some good news and they don't. You know, Musk said no, growth's going to be even slower than we expected. Investors were not happy. And they're looking if if the pre-market numbers and the loss that we saw in the pre-market numbers actually holds. This stock is down almost, I don't know, almost 17% as of the last close. So the headline goes from bad to worse. 
other car manufacturers who are making these electrical vehicles, the uh, uh, Lucid Group, I'm trying to think of what some of the names are, Fisker, um, there's a couple of companies, but they're just not on my radar. Uh, Rivian, Rivian is the other big one, right? But the, the whole industry, this electrical vehicle industry, the future, has, nobody's buying these cars. And the press couldn't be any worse for them. You have to be in a very unique position to take a chance with a high-end EV. Now, if you, you have no choice in California. I was laughing when my kids all told me, well, yeah, we're going to have nothing but electrical vehicles in this household. Uh, first, I heard it from my daughter, and they now have, well, uh, my son-in-law has a hybrid, but my daughter has a completely electric vehicle. My son in LA has a completely electric vehicle, and my daughter-in-law has a hybrid, but eventually hybrids won't cut it because in California, you have to have an EV after whatever it is, 2030, I think is the cutoff. And so you can't even find companies willing to make electric vehicles because they can't sell them. And then you hear these nightmare stories. Now it got too cold. So all the people up north with electric vehicles really had a problem. Here you are, it's zero temperature. You gotta get to work or whatever and you can't start your car. And there's no real hope in sight. I don't know that you can defrost your car, but we're gonna find all these things out. And then of course, there, there's nobody who's going to go along with the concept that you can tell Americans what to drive, period, or not to drive. It's too late to put that genie back in the bottle. We're like a freedom-loving people, and we actually relish the ability to pick and choose from a bunch of different products in every category. And when it comes to automobiles, I don't have to tell you, just look out your window right now. Or when you're driving home from work tonight, look around. People are driving all kinds of vehicles and I can still count the electric vehicles on you know one hand in my immediate vicinity at just about any time. I live in a community that's filled with people who are very left. You know, they're liberals, been liberals all their lives. They're in their, you know, 80s and <laughs> they're still liberals. And they don't own electric vehicles. We don't even have a charging station in this entire community. And they have big signs up where you park your golf carts because there's little uh, outlets where the golf cart can be plugged in. Do not park electric vehicles here. Oh, so they don't even have any intention of encouraging the purchasing of electric vehicles in this community full of leftists. What does that tell you? I mean, these are anecdotal, but they're pretty significant. Nine brokerages just downgraded the Tesla stock. Now, they don't like him anyway, so they're happy when they get to go after him. Tesla short sellers made about $3.5 billion already this year. It is the most profitable short trade in the country. And that's from an analytics firm 
that I look at every now and again. It's called Ortex. But the, the, the company's stock is trading at about 60 times its 12-month forward earnings estimate. Now, I don't want to get too far in the weeds because not everybody understands this stock talk. And I must admit, I struggle with the, some of the newer concepts and expressions and how these people are stating their case. But there was a time when I really was on top of all these things. And I can tell you, when your company is trading, when the stock is trading at any amount of times to its 12-month forward earnings estimates, that's not good. <laughs> it, it, it means that your stock is trading in a valuation that's greater than Apple or, or Microsoft or NVIDIA. We know that Tesla doesn't have that kind of, there's no there there. There's not that much there there anyway. It's looking more like a traditional auto company. When you look at the analysts, it's the highest valued stock among the Magnificent Seven. And that's, uh, that includes uh, Apple, Microsoft, and NVIDIA. So I don't know what that all means, but I will tell you this. California is going to have a lot of problems when they claim that everyone has to make this transition, like it or not, because there aren't going to be that many electric vehicles available for purchase, and they better figure out how they're going to charge them, period. You know, they, they may not have a problem with cold, but they don't have enough charging stations. It takes too long to charge. I was thinking about it the other day. I was at a little strip mall. And they have two or three spots that are allocated with chargers where people can park their car, their electric vehicle, and charge it. Now, I still haven't gotten out of my car and looked to see, like, do you, I don't know, do you have to insert your credit card first? I, I don't know if there's a, a charge associated with it, but I, there must be, right? No plaza, no, no store is going to give you free electricity that they're paying for, I don't think. Maybe, maybe Whole Foods or one of the bigger stores that's making so much money off of you. But if you have two charging stations in a little strip mall, that's two cars that can be charged, right? Now, most people park their car and they probably hook up their electricity and then they go into stores, maybe more than one store, but I don't think they come rushing back out to unplug and let somebody else use the charger. <laughs> so, so what do you do, line up? It just doesn't make much sense to me. Not to mention, I really don't enjoy driving them. I can't hear them. I don't know they're, they're on. I, it's just, uh, maybe one day I'll figure this out. Meanwhile, Waymo, the driverless electric cars that there are in San Francisco that I had signed up for when I was out there, I could have taken a ride. I was actually, my, my number came up. It's like a lottery. You have to be, you're texted. Uh, you can have a Waymo today. By the time my number finally came up and I was actually in the state of California, in San Francisco, I was scared to death. All I read are stories about how this is not really working out very well. San Francisco's Mayor Breed is saying, nah, uh, we're, not, we're not ready for this and we're not gonna allow people 
uh, just to keep running around in these cars without drivers because they're getting involved in accidents. They're causing accidents. And I'm thinking, you know, all of these great ideas, and, and trust me, I'm not a Neanderthal. I want modernity, and I want there to be progress. And, you know, I think ultimately so many things have changed even in the course of my lifetime that I, I can adapt. I'm one of these people who believes if you can't adapt for change, you're not going to last. You're not going to do very well in life. But there's some stuff that, like, I still haven't quite figured out what's the point. You know, why are we insisting people drive electric vehicles if we really don't know how we're going to manage that? So yeah, forgive me for being practical instead of just a visionary like Elon Musk and so many others. I, you know, I have a little visionary in me, but mostly I'm just practical. Anyway, don't forget to download the app, the 850 WFTL app. That way you can get involved in all of our contests. You can listen to all of the podcasts. And, and we do have contests. I think winding up this week is the four-pack of tickets to Artie Gras. We had uh, tickets as well for the Garlic Fest. I think that's uh, you know about to expire. If you didn't get your family four-pack yet, um, maybe you should try and win in the last uh, days. And then we have a gift card to uh, the Great Greek, which is a Mediterranean grill that's opened up in West Boca at Glades Road in 441. So you could have participated in those contests, or you could be listening to my No Restraint podcast on your app, or just visit the website, 850wftl.com. Let me take a quick break. I will be right back. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Well, Musk has problems and uh, Nikki Haley has problems. Everybody's got problems. But the biggest problem is the same problem that was confronting America in 2016. And let me remind you what happened in 2016. Donald Trump got elected president. And people, including people who have wa walked away from him in more recent years, were all gung-ho because finally there was somebody talking about the border. And it was not even half as bad as it is right now. There's an awesome convoy that's just started. Uh, we the people are uniting. They want to take the border back. From the east and the west coasts, there's going to be a multi-day convoy that's going to end with three rallies in three different states 
on February 3rd. I made a donation. You know, um, I don't donate to a lot of causes, and I've been burned just like everybody else. Sometimes you think you're given to a great cause, and then you find out, like, you know, some guy stuck it in his pocket, and that makes you sad. But I did a little background on this, and I, I have a feeling that this is something I can feel a little more confident and comfortable about. I even think on some level I'd like to be there, sort of participate. The biggest areas that have come together are California and Arizona and Texas. No surprise there, right? I'm just loving what's going on in Texas. I, to me, this is the final stand for states' rights. You really have to be out of your mind to think that we can continue with an open border, a wide open border, not knowing who's coming into this country, how long they're gonna stay, what their intentions are. You, you gotta be crazy to think we could sustain that much longer, right? And liberals are interesting people, Many of them are very well educated, but they know this is unsustainable. They may not like to talk about it and they may be running from the fact that it's their fault. Definitely Joe Biden's administration has to be held to account. But this is gonna be a deciding factor in this election. And if it is, then Joe Biden can get as many union endorsements as he wants because he's you know, trying to get the blue-collar workers, right? Yeah, it's not gonna work. The average person looks at the situation and says, we can't continue this way. It's starting to affect every state, every school, every hospital. I've been calling this for you know, 30 years. So to me, this is not a new battle. It's not uh, a battle that I don't know how to begin or where to end. It just is now, once again, probably the most important story going into this election. So you look at the, the feud that's taking place between Texas and the Biden administration, right? The Supreme Court, much to my displeasure, very disappointed in Amy Coney Barrett, expected it from Roberts, but didn't expect it from her. They decided that the Texas government, and in particular, Governor Abbott, didn't have a right to protect the citizens of the state of Texas. Now, excuse me, I think that's what his oath says, that he has to preserve the integ integrity of Texas and do what's best for Texans, not what's best for global stability in South America or anything else. So they make this ruling where they say that the federal government can come in and get rid of this concertina wire that the Texas borders now uh, well, it's 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 everywhere on the Texas border. They they got it done, and they're saying that that the agents of the federal government can cut through that razor wire to allow migrants to come into the U.S. 
These are not migrants we're talking about. These are illegal aliens that we're talking about. Governor Greg Abbott put that barrier up because he couldn't get any action out of the Biden administration. And he's not the only one. There were Democrat mayors of cities and uh, and and counties down in South Texas who said we can't we can't do this right. So everybody said okay. This ruling came in. Uh, Governor Abbott's going to have to stop using the razor wire, and they're going to have to let the feds do this. And let me tell you something. Texas just upped the ante again. You know how? They went to the private property owners, in particular the ranchers. And the Texas borders are, this guy Mike Banks, who's been uh, a lot more on the ball than the federal borders are, Kamala Harris, right? He told them that the state would come in and install this razor wire on their property free of charge. (laughs) You can't stop them from having the razor wire to protect their property. Take that to the Supreme Court. So there's always going to be this sort of battle taking place on this national level regarding the border that will keep that story front and center until November. And that spells doom for Democrats. That is not good for Joe Biden and his party. And they are, people don't think that much about them anyway. They don't like them. And they don't like what they've been doing. But now, people are thinking, why would you stop the governor from actually protecting his own state, protecting the citizens, the American citizens, many of whom are Hispanic, in case you haven't figured that out yet? Why would you try and stop him from that? Well, because you have nefarious motives, that's why. What are your motives? Well, you know, I've been saying for years, change the demographics of these red states. How can you do that? Well, if you can sell that uh, BS, is the nicest way I can say it, to newly arriving immigrants, and then you look at all these efforts they're now putting forward to have them vote, okay? Illegal immigrants being allowed to vote in elections, when I say it, there's a, a feeling in the pit of my stomach, and it's not a good one. Like, that, that's beyond the pale. But that's what's happening. And so there is no way that 2024 is not going to be, at least in terms of immigration, a repeat of 2016 when people walk into those polling stations. They are thinking about this issue. This issue is affecting their businesses, affecting their children's schools, affecting their hospitals. It's affecting the national conversation. It's pitting groups of people against other groups of people. It's also forcing other minority groups in this country, people who have a historic right to receive some benefits from the fact that they're actually American citizens. I mean, think about that. You have a whole entire, you know, there's an entire group of people in this country who were literally brought here in chains. 
They were slaves. Now, I'm not interested in having a discussion about reparations, but I sure don't want any kind of assistance to families that are struggling to go to illegal immigrants before it goes to the people who are American citizens, the people like, and, and there's, no, you know, there's no question about it, the people like African-Americans, the people like Hispanic Americans, legal immigrants, the people like Asian Americans. Well, why are we even, why do we have to have this discussion? Can you imagine how infuriating that is when you're living in a Chicago community? And I'm going to do this on my next No Restraint podcast. You born and bred in Chicago, and you've got a few little benefits that the government offers you. Maybe a nice community center over here. Maybe there's a park over there. And all of a sudden, you're being told, no, no, that community center is now going to house immigrants. And the money that was supposed to go to refurbishing parks so that your kids and your grandkids might have a safe place to play and not get shot, um, no, 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 no. That money now has to go to the resettlement of an illegal immigration body that none of them can understand why, why this is happening. I mean, it's one thing to be fighting against discrimination. It's another thing to be fighting against injustice, but it's a worse to be fighting against both at the same time. And the politicians who are on the side of the illegal immigrants are the ones that these populations have been voting for for generations. You think African-Americans in Chicago vote for Republicans? Do, do you think Hispanics in Chicago have voted for Republicans? No, but guess what? Come November, you watch those numbers carefully because I'm making a prediction here. I'm hearing it, I'm watching it, I'm seeing it. You're gonna have a large, much larger number than ever before of African-American, Hispanic-American, Asian-American voters in the Republican Party. It's survival. They can't sit around and watch their communities be ignored and destroyed while people who basically snuck into the country get all the benefits. No, this is, uh, this is Donald Trump's election to lose. That's all I can say. If things continue the way they are now, they're going to need to cheat more or better than they did before because they're going to need enormous numbers to get past all of the people who are going to jump ship. Trust me. You know, I, if I see another rap star come out and tell me about how Trump's our guy, I'll be real confident. Anyway, let me take a quick break. A um, lot more to talk about. And, and, you know, I apologize. Some, some weeks I'm guest intensive and then some weeks I just haven't got any patience for, for guests at all because I just have too much to say and not enough time to say it. I will be speaking tonight at the uh, Second Amendment Constitutional Foundation. So gun rights are on my mind today. I want to talk a little bit about that. Stay right where you are. So that's all. You know, if, if they were banking on some sort of goodwill story, it's not gonna work this time. They're gonna need to have a border policy on the Democratic side or they don't have a prayer. And I haven't seen any indication that they're even 
considering that or moving in that direction. If you have, please share it with me because it seems to me as though they are more dug in than ever. So, you know, I, I did in my thought of the day a interesting look or an examination, really, that I want to spend a lot of time in the next couple of weeks talking about. I probably shouldn't go into too much detail about it, but we we have a legislator, the Paul Brenner, I think is his name. He's a bigwig in the Florida House. And he put together this bill that basically makes it extraordinarily difficult for young kids, minors, to use social media platforms. And we all have really mixed feelings about that, or at least I do. I'm be honest with you. I see the effects of compulsive, obsessive social media platform use by young people as being extremely dangerous and damaging. The, these kids are connected to these websites and their lives are on constant display. They're inevitably forced to compare themselves to people they don't really know. It's all just so fake. And they're all caught up in it. And some of it's really dangerous. Kids get led into, you know, suicide packs. And, uh, you know, that's not just the stuff of movies. That's really what's going on. So I'm looking and I'm, I'm considering what does that legislation actually mean? And does it have a prayer? Because you can pass it. The House passed it. Now it goes to the Senate. You can even have Governor DeSantis sign it. But there are going to be lawsuits up the wazoo. You think Meta is going to sit back and say, oh, okay. No. Most of the formula for how they generate enormous amounts of income is because people become addicted. And people can be relied on to show up all the time. I watch people. You all see this. It's not. This is not even an unusual bit of news or story anymore. I'll go to a restaurant and I'll see all these people sitting at a table together, all on their cell phones, particularly if it's a family and there's some teenage kids in there. Boy, you know what you're going to see, right? And... They are constantly engaged on their device, not with each other. Like I've gone out to dinner, I'm not going to say with who, member of my family, where they literally were taking pictures of our dinners to put it on Facebook. Now, I had to stop them. You know, I said, look, that's your business. If you think that's interesting, if your friends really want to see your, uh, you know, uh, taco salad, uh, your friends are pathetic, but, uh, you know, it's your business. But no, 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 no. It's very invasive, and it detracts from normal communication. I can't have a conversation with my grandson or my daughter or anybody else if they're, you know, too busy posting and following their friends on a social media platform. That's the, that's the part that's not even scary, right? That's just the part that annoys me. The part that scares me is the human trafficking that goes on. The part that scares me is they can go on Snapchat and they can get fentanyl. I mean, they can request fentanyl 
and have it delivered to their house. They may be living in the basement of their parents' house, and that fentanyl will show up, and that scares me. This sort of uncontrolled black market on social media platforms that is out of control. Now, if adults wanna do stupid stuff, I'm enough of a libertarian to say, knock yourselves out. As long as you're not uh, endangering other people's lives and as long as you're not, although is that ever really true? Can you actually misbehave so badly and not be endangering other people's lives? Probably not. But let's just say as an adult, if you want to make a stupid choice, go ahead. Maybe you'll get arrested and go to jail for your stupid choice. I don't know. But kids should not be confronted with that choice. Never mind, should be allowed, should be allowed to make that choice. So on one hand, I'm looking at this legislation and I'm thinking, yeah, I mean, I don't know that we have many choices about this. And then of course, I'm a freedom loving person. And the next thought I'm having is, well, when are they gonna then tell me what I'm allowed to look at? Why do I get to determine what the cutoff is? You know, what kinds of materials that you can read before you're 18. We allow kids younger than that to insist that they are boys when they're actually girls, and we further allow them to chop off body parts. So forgive me if I'm a little bit confused that all of a sudden you're, you know... <laughs> You're trying to figure out how you stop some of this nonsense from going on. Maybe we have to be more restrictive in what we allow these young people to see and engage in. Because these are not just passive experiences. Kids are giving out all kinds of information. And now with this new bill, they would have to sort of be pre-qualified to get on a social media platform. So how much information is that going to require? I mean, I, I, we really have to think this through. We're always like, oh, easy answer. Okay, let's do it this way. No, nothing is easy. Okay, if it's easy, it's probably not going to work for very long. So now you have a kid who literally doesn't uh, qualify, shall we say, isn't old enough for a particular experience. Maybe it's Meta, maybe it's Snapchat, I don't know, whatever it is. So they have to go through a series of questions and it's usually, now they're insisting it be a third party that does the evaluation. What kind of information do they have to provide? You know, your name, your date of birth, I don't know, your social security number, maybe your parents' names and their dates of birth your address, what school you go to, just how much information will young people be required to furnish to be allowed to use these social media platforms? A whole new parcel of problems that nobody has thought about. Now, that information is out there. And I don't know who's got it. I do know one thing. Once it's out there, it's out there. That's why this... Uh, Renner is so concerned. He said, you can mess up your future. You won't be able to get a job because the things you posted or things you said about, uh, you know, any qualified group, 
you know, God forbid you made a comment about transgendered people or anything online when you were in uh, middle school, you might not get a job 20 years later. I, I mean, this is so, uh, and this is one of my favorite expressions, fraught with peril on both sides. I don't know what the answer is, but I have to admit, we better start having some serious conversations about this. We have to. Because if we don't, before you know it, you'll be the one who is required to furnish a ton of personal information just to get on a website or just to uh, go to Instagram and see, as in my case, some pictures of your grandkids, which is the only reason I use that particular social media platform. How much information will I be required to furnish? Because anything beyond my name and date of birth seems extremely intrusive. Anyway, don't forget, coming up after me is Eric Erickson. Tomorrow morning at 6 a.m., Jen and Bill will be right back here with the South Florida Morning Show, and they'll get to finish out this week. I can't believe how quickly this week went by. And then, of course, at 9 o'clock, Brian Kilmeade comes your way. At noon, it'll be Dan Bongino. And then at 3 o'clock, I'll get to finish out the week tomorrow as well. But I still have one segment left on this Thursday, January 25th. So stay right where you are. I had a, a, a very interesting, whatever you call them, little meme or something that was shared with me um, on a text message, which I thought was right on the money and interesting. And I see them all the time. But people don't pay attention to them. I think half the people don't know what's going on half the time, which is pretty scary. But they sent me this thing, and, and my producer and I were just talking about parenting and whether or not this bill is going to make a difference or if it's going to work out to just make it impossible for young people to use these social media platforms. First of all, I don't think you can do it. And I think there'll be enough pushback at the courts that it won't be for very long. But they had sent me this little, I don't know, it's not a meme, it's just a, a, a little saying. They said, I think we can conclude that the timeout generation did not work out as well as the ass whooping generation. Just saying, you know. Um, all of this modern and progressive style of parenting doesn't have great results. In some ways, we obviously have to be more civilized. Uh, we don't whip our children. We don't take switches. Well, I, at least I didn't. And, and we use as much reason and logic as we can. We also have much smarter kids they're exposed to so much information that they know a lot. I don't know that they're necessarily smarter. Let me reframe that. We have more knowledgeable kids. And so we get into conversations with kids today and they know the answers to a lot of things that we thought they didn't know the answer to. I had a conversation with my 17-year-old uh, grandson just the other day and I thought about it afterwards. I said, I had no idea that he knew that much about the subject and that he was thinking about it that much. You know, whether it's philosophy or politics, whatever it is, they're exposed to so much information. And then 
we want to come around afterwards and say, well, you know, we don't want you to use this incredible tool, even though for two years, we didn't let you go to school. We made you do school on a computer. Now we want to tell you, we don't want you to interact that much on computers anymore. It's like, it's, it'll, it's enough to make you skits. And kids, you can't fool kids. They know you had no idea what you were doing then, and you probably don't have much idea what you're doing now. It's not just bad parenting that causes some kids to go off the deep end when it comes to using social media platforms. It's parents not knowing what's going on out there. I had no idea that some of these kids were playing these interactive games, whatever it is, Roblox and all this other stuff, with other people, people they may not know. It's one thing if they're playing it with a classmate. But I found out that, you know, one of my grandsons was playing this game with like a total stranger from another state. And I'm thinking, hmm, who is that person? Maybe it's a 45-year-old uh, predator. I don't know. And it's time to wake up to all that stuff. So I think at least having legislation proposed starts a conversation, but we need to have an in-depth conversation. So I thank you for your time this time until next time. My plan is to be back here tomorrow at 3 o'clock, if it be his will and he delays his coming. What lies behind us and what lies ahead of us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. So wherever you are, just be yourself. Everybody else is taken. And then may God bless you. May God bless Israel. And may God bless the United States of America. See you tomorrow at 3. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.